Today we're talking with writer and activist Melissa Silverstein, an expert on women in Hollywood, about the facts on the gender issue in entertainment and how the disparity impacts our lives more than we think. You're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. All right, so we're very excited to have Melissa Silverstein with us, and um, I want to tell you a little bit about this woman because she's done such amazing work. (laughs) Yeah, some some facts on Melissa's extensive resume. So Melissa's the founder and editor of the site Women in, in Hollywood. And uh, which is one of the most respected sites on this topic. And she's it's all specific to issues related to women in film. Um, She's there to educate and activate for gender parity in the entertainment industry. She's also the artistic director and co-founder of the Athena Film Festival, which is held annually in February in New York City. And she's also a published author of the book In Her Voice, Women Directors Talk Directing, uh, and also she's written for, you know, New York Times, Washington Post. She's got a, a regular uh, column on Forbes.com. So she's a prolific voice out there for women in the industry. And I first um, actually learned about Melissa from a, an interview on NPR. And it was so eye-opening to hear what was really going on in the entertainment industry uh, with gender disparity. And I think before... Before that, I had just thought, I don't know, I was on the outside, sort of, so I, I didn't feel like it was really that big of a deal or that we were all just, you know, throwing our arms up about maybe nothing, which I know sounds awful, but but on, I'm being honest. And so hearing Melissa talk just really changed my mind about the whole thing, and so I thought it would be really wonderful to have her on. So why don't we introduce her? Melissa, hi, and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, A, you heard this radio interview that just had shocking facts. Um, Melissa, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to just the stats on what the disparity is of women working as directors and all of that. Well, um, again, thanks for having me. I think that the issue related to women working behind the scenes and in front of the scenes in Hollywood is important because culture informs the way we have conversations. It's the way we see the world. And that's why I take this work so seriously because we need to value women's experiences in the same way as we value men's experiences. So when you dig down into this business, you're unbelievably shocked. Even people who work in the business are unbelievably shocked at how bad the statistics are because really people do not know. They see women in places, but they don't know the lack of opportunities for women. So counting the the top 250 grossing films, and these are all done by academics. All the research that I'm going to give you is done by people who, you know, work in academic institutions. And they said that a total of 17% of the people working behind the scenes in the top 250 grossing movies. I mean, 250 is a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. That's directors, executive producers, producers, writers, cinematographers, and editors is uh, 17%. And, you know, it's interesting the 17% because that is a number that um, comes out in a lot of conversations about women's leadership in a variety of industries. Wow, what a wake-up call. And also, it's not that it's just in film. In directing, in television, it's also uh, not very... (laughs) The the directing jobs are also not available for women. I think in television, we're seeing more female characters on screen. But, for example, women directed only 16% of the television episodes last year. 
and first-time directors in television. Now, television is a place where people get opportunities, hopefully, to break in and learn the trade. And it's the, the statistics from the Directors Guild of America, these are, you know, the people who count the directing numbers, said that the first-time directors, people with no experience, 84% of them are men. So that means, you, that means you're not even opening the pipeline for women to learn a trade. Wow. wow. And can I ask, are, and maybe this is a naive question as well, are, is there um, enough women applying for the jobs to even fill that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is the demand? I think what, what we need to do is we need to get away from the conversation which Hollywood likes to put us in is that there are not enough women. There are absolutely enough women. There are databases out there. One is called the Director's List that lists women with experience working in films and television. So that's just bullshit. And that's mm-hmm. what they want us to think about is that there are not enough competent women. That's a lot of words. That, that's a word they like to use is competence. Now, I've seen a lot of shitty movies by men. <laughs> why, are, why are they more competent than women? Right. So this is also about kind of like the layers of gender bias that exists in Hollywood that has become basically the, the cornerstone of the Hollywood narrative related to women, which is that you have to kind of clear out all these gender biases, which you can't do because we live in a society that's really gender biased. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have to be better than everyone. And you, you know, it's just, it's just so difficult for women to be seen as successes. They don't get the opportunity to direct a hundred million dollar movies, so you're not in all the multiplexes. So people don't think that there are enough women to direct. Right, and I, and you, I think we also have a big issue of women who direct a great film, and then they have a hard time even getting a second film made. I mean, films that win awards. I mean, I think any. I think of Kimberly Pierce, like doing Boys Don't Cry. I'm kind of these earlier <laughs> people, uh, female directors. Not, um, yeah. I mean, I know not Catherine Bigelow theory. took her a long time to get a, a second film made after a huge success. That's technically a very male accessible film. Catherine Bigelow's been making movies for you know 25 years, so um, oh, it's a really it's a. You know, I don't want to, let's compare apples and apples in okay. terms of, you know, women who were pioneers in this industry had a whole different story, you know? Right. They were just working on their own, and there was no kind of narrative around the lack of opportunities. It was just them, like, you know, fighting up the uphill. Right now, we're really kind of creating this narrative where people are trying to understand why this is happening and how to break through. It will always be a struggle. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm so in awe of the people who persevered when there was no, con- there was no conversation around women's success, nor understanding of the lack, you know, the fact that women were missing. It was just kind of called life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. And Melissa, do you feel, I mean, I'm sure everyone, this is not a new idea, but, but to me... I kind of, it kind of brings up the, you know, the, I guess the good old boys network or you just sort of people hire who they know and people want to work with their friends. And so given that there's just more men in the industry now, men keep hiring men. And as opposed to it being an active sexist, you know, sort of response. But I mean, what you just said shows that, there, yes, there is sexism of, you know, questioning competency in women. But is it just a sheer numbers thing? If there were, well, I think that there's two answers to that. Of course, we all are, are 
live in a world where our unconscious bias affects us. We, um, we want to be with people who are like us, who think like us, because that is natural progression of right. culture. I actually think, you know, I don't, I want to learn from other people, but, um, and Hollywood is, is, you know, full of that, as is, as are all other industries. Uh, people feel safe hiring people who look like them, who think like them, who are like them. But what we need to do is be able to challenge all those biases and really reveal them to people. And then once they're revealed, they're no longer unconscious bias, they're blatant sexism. So where you have a person like Gina Davis go in there and explain to people, and also the researchers explain, you know, like, why are you making a scene, a crowd scene in an animated movie for kids all full of male extras in the background? And it's just, just drawing. These are people drawing pictures. And they're drawing boys. Because that's who they think an animated movie is for. But you just say, how about draw half girls? They're like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay? In some ways, they think about that kind of stuff. <laughs> same, way, same way if you're, like, making a big-budget movie, superhero movie, for example. And you have a crowd scene where Superman comes down from the top of the, you know, building and lands on a car and saves the day, right? All the people around them should be half women and half men. Also, you know, how about some of the speaking roles that are, um, you know, characters who have names? How about making some of them women? Does it all have to have kind of this gendered layer on, on top of it? It's really asking people to think beyond their norm, their comfort zone, and really looking at the world in a way that it actually exists outside of Hollywood. The Latino audience is like the, one of the biggest growing audiences in the film. They go see movies, they're huge, and completely underserved. Right. Yeah, so it really is about just getting everyone's voice out and represented, not just women, but, but right. Do you feel like the market is going in that direction as far as you know fracturing more like I was just reading an article with Ninochka Khan who who's the creator of Fresh Off the Boat and it's you know they talk about okay well now we're representing all Asian communities and you know and of course we are only one voice but we don't actually speak for everyone right but so then you start sort of seeing almost like niche storytelling right where it's, it's virtually impossible to live up to the expectations of being the only one Sure. So what we need to do is, you know, have more diversity so that nobody's the only one, so that there is room to fail. Not everybody is going to be a success. Not every movie you direct is going to be a success. You have to be able to fail. This is art. This is creativity. The bar is so high that, you know, especially for women, when you fail, and people call you fail, you just fail out. Whereas men... When they fail, they get another chance. Right, that's true. Mm -hmm. That is very true. Melissa, I have a question about uh, where, about basically following the money in Hollywood. And to me, I, I was wondering or questioning this assumption that I think we all make that, well, you know, Hollywood is money driven. And so if executives and decision makers see a project that is viable and they could make money off of, they wouldn't care who the hell is behind it, whether it's a man or a woman, is there something wrong with this assumption or is well, something I think, additional? No, I, I understand what you're saying. I believe that in, in, to, to a certain extent. But the problem is the pipeline is so full of holes 
hmm. for people to get in to be seen in order to make the money. So it's just like the things that are rising to the top are not necessarily the strips by or about women or people of color. So yes, they're making money on X, Y, or Z, and they're happy to make money. And so part of the thing is like I'm just going to keep going along because I'm doing well here. But then you look at a you look at the studio like Universal has had its biggest biggest year of the you know in the billion dollar multiple billion dollar ranges fast and the furious makes a fortune that's a really diverse franchise mm -hmm. directed by men of color it's also got people of color in that franchise in leading positions they've had successes with women directors look at pitch perfect 2 um the expectations of that movie were higher than pitch perfect but nowhere near the stratospheric opening that it had and the amount of money that it's made. Mm -hmm. So it's like what people are hungry. They're desperate. They they want to see things that reflect themselves and themselves are not only white men. True. Yes, I I certainly want to. <laughs> well, and one of the things that we've we've looked at is that because movies about women have smaller budgets because and and part of that has to do with the the genres that the movies about men are in the superhero action movies that are you know just high budget movies um women don't get access to the same marketing dollars they don't get same access to the same amount of screens so it becomes a um it becomes a what's the the fulfilling prophecy what's the Self -fulfilling first part of that prophecy. The self the self fulfilling prophecy. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. It's like right. you can't you can't be seen if you're not seen in the multiplexes where most people see their movies. Then you're in you know the twenty percent of the theaters that that have art houses. Twenty percent of the right. that have art. Twenty percent of the theaters that are not eight screens or above. So what happens is that women are just kind of kept out of this these high budget movies because for some reason they don't trust women to have the confidence to direct these kinds of movies. So mm -hmm. then you don't operate at the highest level of the business and then you don't get on the list to direct the next one. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's all these so layers. Access. I mean this is even uh sorry, I'm <laughs> she just won the Emmy black woman on Viola Davis thank you <laughs> Shonda Rhimes the show uh yeah I mean she's speaking to that just even having opportunity right you don't have access right that's right and I think the pipeline is full of leaky holes right right we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we'll hear about what some of those reasons are don't forget to comment on our blog at pbwithta.com and subscribe to us on iTunes We're talking with Melissa Silverstein, writer, activist, and leading expert on gender equality in Hollywood. Uh, you can find more information on her site, womenandfilm.com. Um, Melissa, what are the barriers to access for women in this industry? Part of it is, um, you know, if you can't get on an agent's list, then you don't get submitted to the studio for the big movies. And you can't get on the agent's list unless people think they're going to make money off of you. 
Right. So if they don't think you're going to have a long career, they're not going to put you on this list. Yeah. And also there's mentality in Hollywood, which is kind of, we've done the girl. We had a girl. She didn't work out. <laughs> uh, interesting. And, you know, so we're never hiring a girl again. Can you imagine saying that about men? We had a guy. He didn't work out. So we're never hiring men, men again. And, but I wonder also, but age is a factor in that. I'm sure agents are like, well, you know, a woman's shelf life is what, I don't know, nothing past 35. That Then you can't make money off a woman after 35. I'm being very, very stereotypical. But for men, it's, yeah, you know, you get industry. burly, rough, you know, good li- men are vital for however long. Tom Cruise. I mean, every, George every, you know, there's different shelf lives for the different roles. I mean, acting is one shelf life. Directing is another shelf life. And, you know, you just have... People have to understand that you become better when you have more experience. And Hollywood is one place that completely devalues experience. Right. Can I just I'm chime in that I I feel like hearing all of this just makes me think about interpersonal relationships and how much people like when women in relationships complain that their boyfriends don't listen or the husband, right? And this is like a common trope. And it's like, wow, well, we're not being heard on multiple levels. I wonder how much the, that influences just sort of our daily lives of interacting, right? And being like, well, I don't feel heard. I did say it, you know? <laughs> Personal complaint. I mean, you know, the person who wrote the Men Are From Mars, Women From Venus book, uh-huh. like, you know, two years ago, I think kind of got it right, you know? It's not that I'm saying that women are better than men. I'm saying, you know, women have different experiences. We go through the life, we go through life differently. And why are male experiences more valued in our culture than women's experiences? We know that they're more valued because we see more books about men, we see more movies about men, we see more more everything about men. They are more men run our world. So you're a girl and you think you're powerful and strong and then every story that you see around you is completely devaluing your experience so you just kind of after a while you shut up right right and you're right and let's just jump it right into that which is i think super core at this issue is what is this doing to us as a society and culture really in the background and like what you know tea how's it shaping our exactly how's it shaping our view of women of as individuals yeah, even my own programming. I mean, we get, we learn about our environment through... Wait, 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 you're, you're cutting out. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? No, you're all oh. froggy. Uh, better, better. Is that good? Better. Yeah, better. Okay, okay. Um, so... Just women being... Right, so the notion that... Right, that entertainment has such a huge influence it's such a huge dictator of what we learn socially and culturally whether we like it or not it's 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 there I mean how many people learned about relationships through the movies and all of that so it really is yeah and really then also looking how at, women look at other I women mean, what how, people talk about it's what you know when you when you go to work on Monday morning what TV show did you watch what movie did you go see um yeah. and you know the t-shirt every everybody in the entire universe knows what Star Wars is everyone I mean, even you see T-shirts of kids in Africa wearing Star Wars T-shirts. <laughs> I had conversations, you know, with my five-year-old nephew about Star Wars. We yeah. can converse about Star Wars. Yeah. And we're into it and excited. Now, these, you know, it's not me. I'm not five. You know, to have a conversation with a five-year-old about something we can connect with, that's a big deal. Um, so this is why I want people to, like, figure out how to how to connect on women's stuff, too. It's like, well, how do we create a world where female stories are valued in the same way 
as male stories. How do we create those kinds of icons that are women in the same way that we have a Superman and a Spider-Man that keep getting rebooted every single year, it feels like. Yeah, and I know T and I talk a lot about on the show about about media and uh, and its influence on our experiences as women and the stereotypes we go through and whatnot. But also, and so one thing that keeps coming up for me is this, and I just I throw this out for everybody to sort of question and maybe look at it. But I, you know, there's this this trend of promiscuity and and uh, and certain sort of crassness from women um in their relationships with men and but if you really think about it it's like who's writing that and is this a male a male driven fantasy is this even is it empowering for you is it remotely true it's like so we but we as you know our youth picks that up and just runs with it a lot of the time as without without us being active questioners of who's really writing this narrative for us and so that's why so i'm just commenting on that but, but i but yeah that's why for me it's such an, an important role media um right i think yeah. what we try to do with women in hollywood which is give people information so they're making informed choices people don't necessarily know who's written something or who's directed something on a regular everyday basis and that's why we do a weekly newsletter that tells them what's the movie they're opening who directed it, all that kind of stuff, so that you can go into that armed with information because I'm not, I, I don't want to go see stuff that is going to just piss me off. Right. You know, I'm done with that. I'm all, I'm, I, 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 I've spent so many years going to see movies that I are, were told are really good by the critics or are important by the scholars, and you know what? They don't resonate with me. Now, I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with me in terms of my wanting to see the world, but I want to see things that are important to me, um, that resonate with me, validated in the culture also. In an empowered way, too, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a I have a male roommate who actually works in the um, the film industry as well, and we often debate over films that we like and don't like. And I've a number of times I've said, you know, I really thought a lot about it. And, you know, last night it dawned on me. I think maybe because I'm a woman and you're a man, that's why we feel so differently about this specific film. Um, and I'm amazed at how often it comes up. And there's a lot of films where he'll go, God, well, "This is brilliant," and I said, "Yeah, I, I don't know. I just watched. It. I was just bored." I mean, I you know, I'll say I see the craftsmanship. I'm willing to honor like their success in making it beautiful and all this stuff. I'll say, but I don't, I don't care about the story, you know. And also, I just want to say that I want men to be welcomed into this conversation. I want them to be a part of this conversation because I think men are hungry for roles about themselves that are different, and women might write them a little different. And they're also hungry to see different kinds of women on screen. I think you know, guys get fed a load of shit, and they just eat it up i totally and when, agree yeah and when they step back and they're like why why is why is this the good exactly you know, that's a good point are the challenges of our culture and the men need to step up too the men need to say you know like i want to see things from other people's perspectives that very good point melissa i wanted to touch on the notion of cattiness in women which we did one of our previous episodes about and 
uh, cattiness in women and how this can uh, we've we did a roundtable discussion with women uh, in various careers, but also in the entertainment industry who have actually been sort of ostracized and left out of the community because they're women, like not being hired by women, experiencing prejudice or cattiness or attitude or something but 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 from the w- a woman in a higher position right so a woman being a barrier to entry and I have experienced that myself um where I went in to interview uh with a production company and I just I mean maybe I'm full of shit but I just had this it was a very attractive uh female exec and it was an interview with three other younger men and myself and I'm an attractive young woman and I just immediately when I walked in the room I was like, oh, fuck, there's no way I'm going to get this. <laughs> there, was, there, was one, there was one woman in leadership and three men in the room, and then you came in? I came in. We interviewed. It was an amazing interview. It was so much like chemistry between everyone. It was wonderful. And I even specifically mentioned at the time I was engaged, I, I dropped it because I didn't want her to feel threatened. And you dropped that you were engaged. I dropped that I was engaged. So that it's like, hey, I'm not like stepping on anybody's sexual sexual territory or anything you know but I I, and it was just again it was just a sense you never know why I didn't get the job but uh you never know why but well I think that you know what you need to understand is that even though she's the boss she's sitting in a room with three guys there's still kind of a really weird dynamic um when you are the only woman in the room with men so one of the things I really try not to do is to um, blame women in terms of not hiring other women. I think we need women, like, it would have changed the entire dynamic in that room had there been a second woman in there. Oh, interesting. So those are the things, like, that can be done really easily by the workplace to um change change the you know change the the way that these interviews and conversations happen when you're the only woman in the room um it's really difficult to bring your authentic self in there she's the boss she's you know trying to be a guy you know get along all those different things i have no real answer to your situation at all but the thing that we need to understand about women is like yes they are getting into positions of power and there we need to break out of this mindset is that there is, you know, the one position available, that this is a, 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 a zero-sum game, that if you bring another woman into um, a workplace, that that means you're going to lose some of your power. And also understand them. They fought their asses off to get that power. And so they're, you know, wanting to figure out, you know, how to keep it. Most people have power. Whatever gender you are, your job is to keep it. So what we need to do is figure out a way that people feel safe and comfortable, A, hiring lots of women. But you see the statistics show that on television shows and films that when you have women in in leadership positions, A, there's more women on screen, and B, there's more women behind the scenes. So it's really about not just being the one. This is the problem when it's the one. But when it's the three of you... It's a whole different story. So that's why we need to build to critical mass. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I totally agree. I was going to say, and I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, well, I have something. <laughs> um, there's a really great article on one of your sites about uh, Amazon actually picking up 50% of uh, stories, new, new pilots that are 
content created by women. Um, is yeah. is Amazon particularly trying to do that intentionally, or is it just that there's more women courageously coming forward with their content? I mean, I guess you sort of answered that earlier that there's plenty well, of women. I think that Amazon last year didn't really have only had Jill Soloway, right? Mm -hmm. And firstly, they see that this is a breakout gigantic hit about a transgender woman. I mean, think about that. Just for a moment, this is a breakout hit that just won Emmys, okay? How the world has changed. So what these guys are trying to do is figure out, how do I find the next transparent? Because that's what they're all saying in Hollywood the day after the Emmys is, get me my transparent. Right. Because yeah. Hollywood is really good at replication. And while it is supposedly original, um, they're not so good at original. They're really good at rebooting and replicating. Right. So with Jill Soloway's uh, show being such a success, I think that opened opportunities for other people to look at women in a different way. And that's exactly what you want to keep doing. Yes. Melissa, what do you, uh, what do you recommend as we're wrapping up here? What would you recommend for the average person listening who's not in the film industry? How could they be a part of this conversation? Or what what could they do to participate or make a difference? In changing the narrative. Right. Okay, that's a great question. Okay, so here are the things that you can do. Empower yourself with information. When you are looking around what movies to go see in the weekend, find out who directed it, who wrote it, what it's about. Don't just go kind of like with the flow in terms of the big budget movies just because that's what everyone's going to see. Which Use I... your money. Vote. Use your money like a vote. Vote for women. Also, television shows. There are a lot of shows that had zero women directors last season. And there are shows mm. about women that did, too. So you can think about that stuff. You can look at really easily on IMDb. Uh, who's, you know, part of the show. And then if you're watching a show and you're watching it in a couple of weeks, and you're like, God, I don't understand the show. If you go to IMDb, you'll look and you'll be like, oh, yeah, there's not a single woman on this, you know, list. <laughs> so also trust yourself and also speak up. And this, is not, this is a time for people to stand up for different kinds of content, for diversity of content. And if, you know, week after week you go with your boyfriend to see all the big blockbuster movies, how about saying one time, let's go see this movie. And while you could get, you know, a, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to go see quote-unquote girl movie, just say, you know, I've been seeing boy movies for the last three weeks with you. What is the difference between a boy movie and a girl movie? It's that the boy movie is, has more value put onto the culture than the girl movie. And I think that's part of the stuff that we have to interrupt. We have to understand and redefine what success is um, and make people realize that content by and about women is no less important than content by and about men. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. So uh, next time we're at our cocktail party or wherever, speak up, talk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to be part of the solution. Yeah. And part of being in the solution is to advocate. Yep. All right. There we go. Um, we've been talking. Melissa, any last thoughts or anything you want just, to throw out? I just want to say if you're a writer and or a director or a person who wants to work in the entertainment industry, this is something you should try to find peers 
people that you can talk to, people that you can work with. Find your tribe really early so you have people to bounce stuff off of. So before you're going into these meetings, you're prepared to the nth degree so that you can be a, a success. Find a mentor, find a sponsor, find people who are willing to vouch for you. It's really important for women as you're going to get jobs. Find people who are going to say, oh, yeah, that person's good. Hire that person. Great. And be prepared, over-prepared by the, so much. Always be prepared. Do your homework. Don't come in unprepared. Don't come in expecting someone to give you a job. Don't come in expecting, you know, a girl to be your best friend just because you're the same gender. Be the business person. Right. Do your work. Okay. Thank you. All right, you. I'm motivated. <laughs> and be authentic. Always. Because if you're not authentic you're never going to make it through it's melissa silverstein is who we've been talking with she's a tremendous activist and speaker for women in hollywood and you can check out her work on womeninhollywood.com you can follow her on twitter at mel sill it's so interesting t uh, you know hearing about this it's just a, a part of the huge massive dialogue about male female females reaching through to find equality and everything and one thing that comes to mind is the whole notion that well I was talking to a woman who's older who fights for like everything that she has in her profession and she said you know it's just not in our DNA as women to know to stand up for ourselves or to know to value ourselves or to demand value it's just we've we have never experienced that or it's been like thousands of years since we have so it's just you know all this programming in our energy and our auras and our DNA and our blood, whatever. And in, you know, in our species that that's the story that's being told. And so she's like, yeah, for my male colleagues, they have no problem going right up to the boss and saying, literally, this is what happened. He's like, you know, if you don't give me my raise, I'm fucking leaving. Yeah. And she's like, and I'm like, so why didn't you do that? And she's like, because I'm afraid. Yeah. She's like, I don't have the balls to do it because, you know, I, that's my only income stream and what would happen. And so also I that, play nice. Yeah. Also, it feels like just what you're saying, the story in our DNA of almost feeling shame for having that boldness. Right. And shame always comes from having being, it beat out of us. Yeah. Yeah. Shame it. Well, yeah. Totally, I mean, yeah. this is what we talk about around sexuality on our show and what we want to dispel, like these myths that people have programmed in them or the fear right the minute that you have fear and then someone punishes you for it or or whatever makes you feel I don't know dumb for thinking that you feel shame right and that's in our and that's in our system too so anyway so that's I just feel like again it's like well there's a lot we as individuals as women could do like really monitoring that within ourselves and the more we can push forward through it then our kids are going to be different it's just evolution you know but it takes if we can change the story in our bodies and our chemistry and our that mysterious story that somehow gets passed through the the, you know the ancestry yeah the unspoken words right the uh the subtext those are my final thoughts so yeah, well, stepping forward. Oh, so at our podcasting event, I went to the LA Podfest and uh, and learned that only twelve percent of women, sorry, in the podcasting world, it's eighty eight percent men, twelve percent women podcasting. What? I know. I know. Twelve percent in podcasting, seventeen percent in the film industry. We are rocking tea. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a sad truth. So it's changing. Yeah. Well, 
Thanks for listening. This is Pushing Boundaries with TNA. There is a great new blog on our site uh, about this very topic, The Suffragette, written by A. I was going to say, tell them who's written by D. You wrote it. And it's <laughs> about uh, a female-made film. You saw it in Telluride. But you can find it at our site, pbwithta.com. And please feel free to tweet us at tasextalk.com. We would really love to hear from you or get in touch with us any other way on our website. And also, please do, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe on iTunes and write a review because that's the best way you can help us. 